You're listening to a podcast from Bayside Church International. So today has been just a crazy, wonderful morning that started out there at PPP and it's just like, I actually feel weak at the knees. I've got so mellowed out and I thought, just keep it going, just keep it going. I don't think I can even contribute to this, but anyway, I'm going to. You know, there's an anointing on the house here today. So understand this. The anointing here today is that of grace, of that of freedom, and that of peace. That is the anointing here today. Some of you may hear one thing I say or might not hear a thing, but for some of you, you'll go out here with an anointing of peace that you've never had. You understand something about grace, and for others, you'll get set free from something. So that's, where, so that's what's happening here. Almost, I was going to say, independent of me, but I am dependent on that. I'm going to start <coughs> from Luke chapter 4, and this is verses, verses 14 through to 19. And this is, what Jesus, this is what happens. Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Never forget that Jesus did stuff because he was filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released, and the blind will see, and the oppressed will be <laughs> set free. And at that time, the Lord's favour has come. When you read this, you think, so the oppressed, who are they? The captives, who are they? Sometimes people refer to the oppressed here being prisoners. So there's release of captives and freeing prisoners. So is there a difference here? Well, for one thing, we need to understand Jesus is talking about perhaps spiritual or emotional or mental captivity and oppression or, ca or being a prisoner. And there is a difference. If someone is a captive... They haven't necessarily done something wrong, but something has been done to them that restricts their world. It's like they're a captive to something and their world isn't as big as it ought to be. So if someone has had a lie spoken into their life and they believe that lie, they might not even have known it was a lie. They've grown up, gone through their life with this lie being around them and restricting their life. And when you get set free of that, the world suddenly becomes bigger. I can give you a, well, it's a bit of a ridiculous illustration, but it's a true illustration. When we went to Lucendale in our first church in the early 90s, partway through that, the church started providing lease cars. We thought, wow, a new car, we've never had a new car. And they were Falcons, and we thought, they were like amazing. And I think, what sort of car? Well, I might get a white one. And my son, who's 18, says, Dad! You can't have a white car. I says, why? You look like a stock agent. You can't look like a stocky. Oh, so I got a red one. But I went through for the next thir nearly 30 years believing that I would look like a stock agent in a white car. 
and I basically restricted my world of, of choice of cars to anything that wasn't white. Even a white Mercedes looked like a stock agent. So I wasn't... And then somewhere recently I was thinking, I'd had black cars for three cars. I thought, you know, I wouldn't mind a white car. If I put black wheels on and I, did, and I had, had the, wins, the, the windows tinted, tinted and stuff like that, that would look pretty cool. And she said, yeah, that's fantastic. White is awesome. I think... You spoke a lion to me all those years ago. Now I look like a stock agent. And now I've got set free. I've got set free. I've got set free. The thing is, when there has been a lie spoken, prayer or counsel, the Holy Spirit exposes a lie and reveals the truth. And you need to know that. And you can walk out of captivity. The prisoner, it's harder to break out of the prison. Being a prisoner is to do with something has happened in your life, someone has done something, they have hurt you deeply and it's never gone away and you haven't forgiven them. And when you don't forgive, you're a prisoner. You get that. This is harder to break free than from captivity. And that's where I'm going today. Sometimes people say, well, I have forgiven them. I took it to the cross. The problem is... That time and time again, people say, I've forgiven, I've taken the cross. You walk away and you take it with you. And you still every day have to relieve, relive the pain of whatever that was. Unforgiveness is a terrible thing. It's like having barbed hooks in your soul. And every time you think about it, it's like someone's grabbing, the, grabbing these hooks and jagging your soul, tearing at your soul. And it's painful. And for some, it goes on day in, day out, year in, year out. Sometimes you somehow manage to put something over the top of it and then it just comes up again and the pain never goes away. But when you forgive someone, it is a gift to yourself. Who said that? Oprah Winfrey said that. She said it on TV. A secular program. But hey, at the end of the day, it's true because this is what God wants. You forgive chunk, a hook hits the tiles. You forgive, chunk, click, clack, a hook hits the floorboards. So we need to forgive. When you forgive, your life changes. Your life will be different. When you forgive, it may save your sanity. It may save your soul. And so we need to forgive and our forgiveness needs to be total. We need to totally forgive. It needs to be total. To forgive totally, for total forgiveness, there's about six things that need to happen to ensure that you've forgiven totally. I'm going to share those with you and a couple other things. Now, the thing is with, with the, these points, I want to say they are not mine. I, I got them from a message by R.T. Kendall. Does anyone know that name? If you don't, try and get some of his stuff or a book. He's, he's quite an incredible person. And he preached this message on total forgiveness. And there is a book that he's put out that I've, I've got as well. But, so I took these points, stripped them down, repainted them, put them back, made them my own. But they are his. But they're also mine now because I've applied them into my life. I understand this. So here we go. The first one, <laughs> you don't talk about it. 
when someone hurts you or offends you, <coughs> you don't talk about it. You don't, don't go telling people about it. I'll tell you why. Every time you go and tell someone, it comes back. And the pain is just as bad. And the anger is just as bad. The effect is just as bad. And it could be in 10 years' time and you're still talking about it and it still hurts. And I've known people have been hurt, been offended, they won't forgive and they, they, they go, they'll tell anyone, listen, you hear people talking to someone on the bus they've never met and they're telling them about what well, this terrible thing this person has done. So when you totally forgive, you just don't Talk about it. The only time you do talk about it is maybe to help someone else and it's not about you. Maybe you need some help from a counsellor or from a pastor or a therapist. But outside of that, people say, oh, yeah, you've got to talk about it. You've got to talk it through. Yeah, some people like to feed on your stuff and they'll drag it out of you. And some people say, well, you come back because we'll talk about this. And they make you dependent. And the last thing you need as an injured person, as a wounded person in prison, so to speak, of your unforgiveness, is to be dependent on someone. So the only people you talk to are the right people for a limited length of time. And after that, trust God on it. So you don't talk about it. So that's the first one. To totally forgive, you don't talk about it. That's good, isn't it? Yeah, that's good. So the next one is... <coughs> You don't let them be afraid of you. When you totally forgive, you don't let someone be afraid of you who's offended you. You know, you might be thinking, well, I've forgiven you, but watch out. I'll be waiting. I'll be waiting for you to slip up. I was just striking a few chords. And you'll be punished. It'll serve you right. And I'll be watching, but I've forgiven you. What I'm saying here is when you totally forgive, you don't let people be afraid of you. You don't let people be afraid of you. It's no good saying, I know where you live. I'll be outside, but you'll never know when. When you totally forgive, you don't let them be afraid of you. You don't talk about it. Here's the next one. When you totally forgive, you don't let them feel guilty. Does God want us to feel guilty? Come on. Does God want us to feel guilty? Well, some of you know. <laughs> some of you know that. God doesn't want us to feel guilty. His son died on the cross to take away our sin, to set us free from our past, and to take our guilt, to set us free from our guilt, so that we can live lives guilt-free because we're forgiven, we've been cleaned up, and we've got a life and we've got a future. That is why Jesus died on the cross. And if you continue to feel guilty or try and make someone else feel guilty, what's that saying about the cross? It was a waste of time, and the cross was not a waste of time. So... <laughs> God doesn't want us to feel guilty. He gave ours his son so we don't have to feel guilty. So we have no business in making someone else feel guilty. So when you totally forgive, you don't let them feel guilty. You can have this attitude, well, I think they've repented, but I'm not really sure if they're that sorry. Maybe, maybe I'll sort of let them feel guilty for a few days or two or three weeks. Well, three or four months. Come on, some of you are squirming here. <laughs> Sorry, Jay got it. She's the only one who thought it was funny. Anyway, <laughs> and then maybe I'll really forgive you. 
Total forgiveness doesn't allow the other person to feel guilty. You've forgiven them. So you don't allow them to feel guilty, you don't make them afraid of you, and you don't tell anyone. <coughs> and here's the thought that's just generally to do this whole thing. Can you really forgive someone who's done something really bad? Now that is a big question that you can't, some of us can't probably even answer. We say, yes, I can. But you know and I know there are things that we know about, things that happen on TV, things that happen to people we know, and to forgive a person like that, how do you do that? You need the power of God. You need the grace of God. <laughs> you need the power of God. You need the grace of God. Because this is what God wants. Now, I'm going to digress slightly. I'm staying in the New Testament. I'm staying in the Gospels. And I'm going to read from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 18. And then I'm starting from somewhere. Where am I starting from? I think I've got the right, the right one. I'm just not sure where I'm going here. Here we go. So this is Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. This is the story of the unforgiving debtor. Some of us are familiar with that. Most of us will be familiar. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone? How often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. That's 490 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to the king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with the ser and with the servants he who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife and children and everything he owned to pay the debt. Ooh. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I'll pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he, and he released him and forgave his debt. But then the man left the king and went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars, grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. Then some of the other servants saw this and they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called the man in and called the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I've had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured and until his, he paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to pay this debt. So from the bottom of your heart, from your heart. And you think, that's an awful story. That's an awful story. What kind of king was this? What kind of king was he that he could just let millions go out to someone who was unreliable? How do you even run up millions of dollars in debt? Well, apparently you can, even there. They do it today. So he is going to be thrown into prison 
His family, and, he, and his family is going to be thrown into prison. His family is going to be sold. He's going to be sold. Everything's going to be sold. What kind of society is that? Apparently normal in those days. It was just people probably didn't blink an eyelid with that. And so they're going to be sold off. And so he begs for mercy and the king forgives him of his debt. Not only did he owe millions and he, get, he got let off the hook from going to being sold, the debt got cleared. That's pretty good. That's not bad. You'd be pretty feeling pretty good about yourself. And then he's going off down there. I got off, I got off, I got off. And he sees this other servant. Where's that 2,000 you owe me? Where is it? Grabs him by the throat and puts him in jail until he can pay the debt. You've got to think. Some people just don't get it, do they? <laughs> it's a sharp reminder that when someone has extended mercy has forgiven you has let you off the hook that you need to do the same for everyone else so he does that the master is absolutely livid has him thrown into prison handed over to the torturers um, in the uh, the Greek word means tormentors that's basically what it means and, and you stay there until you've paid that how do you pay a debt when you're being tortured and in jail you know, how do you do that? Sell drugs? I don't know. But, well, the family has to, Jay thinks. Except they probably sold his family off. Well, any go. So he's there, and the last bit, this is what your heavenly father will do to you unless you forgive from your heart. Now, I know some of you just conveniently just don't read that bit when you read the story. And I've got a feeling, I, just, I won't point anyone out, but I think I know who it is, you've actually put a black texture through that bit. Just don't like that bit. So what's going on here? At the end of the day, God wants us to forgive. He, this is about forgiving. This is about forgiving others who've offended us. This is what God wants. There's massive stuff in this story, and that's a whole sermon on its own. But here, God wants us to forgive. And so what happened here? A man owed a fortune to the king and the king forgave him. What happened then? He went to a fellow servant and started to throttle him and threw him in prison. What happened then? He got thrown in prison because the other servants told the king and told there to, he'll stay there until he pays debt. He was there to be tormented. He was in prison to be tormented and what happened then? Jesus says, this is what will happen to you if you don't forgive from your heart. It is a massive story. At the beginning of this, this story, Peter asks, Lord, if someone offends me, how often do I have to forgive them? Seven times? And Jesus says, seven times, 70. Like, that's 490 times. That's a massive amount of forgiving. Really what Jesus said, you just keep forgiving. It just doesn't stop. You keep forgiving. And you might say, but I can't forgive. You don't know what's happening. The stuff that's happened to me has been awful. You can't, I just, I can't forgive. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. But I don't feel it. I don't feel it inside me, in my heart. I just don't feel it. This is where you start. You make a choice in your head. You say, today, I choose to forgive, even though I don't feel it in my heart. I don't feel it emotionally. You choose to forgive. 
And every time this comes up in your mind, you forgive. You keep forgiving. It starts that up. You've got up to seven already. So Peter's idea is done for. And you just keep going. And as you forgive, somehow it seems to move from your head down into your heart to a point where you are forgiving from your heart. And when you think of that person... You forgive, but it comes from within you. You get to a point where you actually are not forgiving anymore, but you're rather blessing the person. Every time you think about it, <coughs> bless them, Lord. And you actually mean it. So we need to forgive, but it starts with a choice that moves deep down through us into our heart to a point where we're blessing someone. And look, you need to understand this. Someone could have done something terrible to you, and most of us, that probably has happened. The thing is they have probably dealt with it and moved on. <clears throat> and they've, they're living their life and they're probably doing well with life and not making that mistake again, maybe, that they made with you. But they're doing well. They may have even forgotten about you. But for you, if you haven't forgiven, you're still living it every day, like you're in prison, like the tormentors are having a go at you. <clears throat> so, you so that's what happens. They've moved on. You haven't. And sometimes people do things to you, they don't even know they've done it to you. <coughs> How many people have you offended <coughs> and you didn't even know you've offended and they've held something against you for years because of something you did that you didn't even know? <coughs> the thing is, they're living their lives okay and you're not. <coughs> you're reliving every day what has happened to you. It can go on for years. I'll tell you a story about our family. My mother was 87 when she died. She'd lived a really good life. She had good health except for a little blip somewhere when she was around 80. And she died at home peacefully. She, she had a good life. But there was stuff going on in her head that I didn't really know about. And I think in, not long before she died, she was telling Maureen about this auntie who said something to her. See, my grandmother, my mother's mother died when my mum was about 17 in the, th in, the, in the 30s. And so they'd had the funeral and they'd gone back to the, the home. They'd gone back to the home. This was in Laura where my mum grew up. And they were there and my mum sat there. She's about 17 or 18 and she's crying, which is pretty reasonable. And so she's there and there's a few aunties around. This other auntie comes in and says, looks at her and says, huh, what's wrong with you now? Oh, she was always a miserable girl. 70 years ago, and it was like it happened the day before. We actually didn't understand these principles then because that would have been the time to probably say, Mum, you need to forgive her. Even though that auntie would be long dead, you still forgive because the forgiveness is also a gift to you. So you don't tell anyone about what's happened to you. When you forgive, you don't tell. When you totally forgive, you don't talk about it. You don't let people be afraid of you. <laughs> you don't make them feel guilty. So here's the fourth one. When you totally forgive, when you, when you, when you totally forgive, you keep their, now hear this, you keep their darkest secret safe. They've probably got a secret that they actually really don't want anyone to know. That secret has probably got something to do with what they've done to you or maybe to others but you keep them safe. You keep that secret safe so, so people actually don't find out about it. The only time you don't do this if it's to do with perhaps a court proceeding, legal stuff, or keeping someone else safe. But outside of that, outside of that, 
you keep that secret safe. You don't use it against them. You don't go around saying, well, I've forgiven them, but you know, you just better watch out because they're a bit like this. You, you just, and it's the sort of thing they would be incredibly ashamed of, incredibly embarrassed of. They may have, may have actually be really remorseful and you've forgiven them. So you don't use that secret against them. And I'll ask the question, does God use our dark secrets against us? Come on. Some of us have dark secrets. We probably all have dark secrets. I'm darn sure all of us have got secrets we'd rather not really share in public. Sorry, you just happened to be there, boy. <laughs> no, she's not. She's been forgiven at the cross. None of us have been. So I'll just keep moving on. So we don't use their dark secrets against them. Understand that. Sometimes we think, well, no, this is grace. You don't use that secret. This is grace. And you could, and they might even, in one sense, deserve it, but this is grace. So you don't. So you don't use their dark secrets. Don't share their dark secrets. You keep their dark secrets safe. You don't, you don't let them feel guilty. You don't let them be afraid. You don't tell people about what, what has happened. When you totally forgive, that's what you do. Here's the, here's, the, here's the next one, the fifth one. When you totally forgive someone, you help them save face. That person has probably done something that would cause great embarrassment to them. They may be deeply ashamed of that. They just, they'd be thinking, oh, what's going to happen when that gets out? You've totally forgiven them, so you, you help them to save face. You help them to save face. You don't say, well, serve them right. Now it's got around. Everyone knows what they're like. Yep, it's on Facebook. Yep, everyone knows like that. No, no, you do whatever you can. You may not be able to pull it off perfectly, but you stand alongside them. No, hey, we've dealt with this. I've forgiven them. You know, they, they said they're sorry, and I've forgiven them. We're going to move on. So you help them to save face. People say, I can't believe. You know, what that person did to her was awful, but they're standing with them and they won't talk about it. They're just saying, no, nope, it's done. We're moving on. So you help them to save face. You help someone to save face who's offended you. You've got a friend for life. You have. So you don't let them say, you help them to save face. You keep their darkest secrets safe. You don't let them feel guilty. You don't make them afraid of you and you don't talk about it. Here's the last one. When you totally forgive someone, it's for a lifetime. It's for good. So you could be gone two or three weeks and you might be thinking, well, I really forgave them, but I'm not so sure now. It's that the, the offence starts coming back at you and bugging you and annoying you. And you think, I'm not sure if I do. You continue to forgive. You continue to forgive. It's for a lifetime. You don't want to go back to that place of torment, back into that jail of your unforgiveness, back into that prison. You keep forgiven. Seven times 70 and just keep going. And if it's got to go for a lifetime, it goes for a lifetime. So then, who's got the key to get you out of jail? Who's got the key? Okay, who's got the key? Put some hands up. Who's that? Think if it's the person next to you, put, point to them. <laughs> for them, but not for you. It's your unforgiveness that put that other person 
in jail. That's wrong. It's your unforgiveness to that other person that puts you in jail, into that place of torment. Often, if you have unforgiveness, every day you're thinking about it. Every day it's messing with it. Every day it hurts. Sometimes you sugarcoat, put some sugar or something over it to soothe it, but somehow that won't last. Every day you're in pain in some way and it can go on for good. <coughs> so you need to forgive. And when you say to someone, you need to forgive, I hear things like this, but how can I forgive? I was molested. I was betrayed. I was abused. I was neglected. I was treated really badly. How can I forgive? You make a choice and you forgive. Now you might say, well, my mother never protected me from that person and that person really hurt me over several years. My mother never protected me. How can I forgive her? You make a choice and you forgive. But my father was never there. He was never there. He abandoned me. I was neglected. You make a choice and you forgive. <clears throat> but my father worked all the time. He was working all every day, every night. He was working on weekends. He was never there when I played footy. He was never there when I kicked a goal. He was never there when I played netball. He was never there when I was best player. You make a choice and you forgive. You make a choice and you forgive. You have the key to get out of jail. And the key is forgiveness. The key is forgiveness. Forgive someone, click. The door unlocks. Forgive, click, the door opens. Forgive, click, the world is such a marvellous and wonderful and bigger place. You've been viewing the world through the walls of your pain. Forgive, click, and people seem different. You feel different towards people. You felt before bitterness and anger and you're critical. You forgive and somehow you have compassion and love for others that you just never have. Forgive, click. You know something about the depth of the cross. Forgive, click and you walk free. Amen. This has been a podcast from Bayside Church International. Thanks for listening.